from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow. wow. Um, I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined this week by uh, editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. Uh, our chief creative officer, I love saying that, it sounds so, sort of disciplinary, Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer, and um, listen, since, well, I'll get to you in a minute, <laughs> since 1988, when uh, Ronald Reagan began it, he did do some good things, um, May is National Foster Care Month, and so it's our great pleasure to welcome Michelle Visage, who of course you know from RuPaul's Drag Race, Um from seduction, um, uh-huh. many things, many, many, many things. Um, but you might not know this, Michelle, you are also adopted. Yay! I am and, a proud adopted kid, indeed. Absolutely. And that's, we are celebrating National Foster Care Month since 1988, and it is in the month of May. And so here you are. It's so important that we celebrate this. I was in the foster system, but only for four months before I got put into my forever home. But it's so important because so many kids are kind of um, stuck in the foster care system, so to speak. And we want to bring attention to it so we can move them into their forever homes. Uh, Absolutely marvelous. So number 10, you are it. We're going to be counting down some of the Highbrow, lowbrow things of the week, but our countdown begins with you, Michelle Visage, <gasps> and number 10, and your story. So let's have at it. Number 10. Which one do you want? <laughs> something decent. I, I just want to say something really tacky. But what I thought when you said this was about the foster care system. This was going to be about Catherine McPhee's plans for David. <laughs> system. No, but I'm, oh, I'm I just got it. Oh my god, it took me a minute for that one to sink in. <laughs> thank you, thank get you. it. All ears, Michelle. Tell us your story. Your beautiful how how your you found your family and your family found you. My father, my father always told a story that I never really thought was funny. But as I'm older and I have my own children, I get it. But my father used to tell like my boyfriends, and there were many. Um, my girlfriends, whoever would listen, he would say, oh, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. He'd say, we went down the shore. We went to Point Pleasant or Seaside Heights and we put a quarter down and we won Michelle on the wheel. You know, the ones that would spin. And I'd be like, you're an asshole. No. <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, and then when you think about adoption and how, how um, people are scared off because it, private adoption is quite pricey, which is why I'm a big vocal person for uh, fostering with the intention of adopting and going through foster care. Um, it, it is just, I don't want to say so much better because any adoption is an amazing adoption, but these kids, like I said, that get stuck in foster care, don't get the opportunity that a private adoption kind of would have. So anybody out there that's listening that is really interested in adoption, please look into the foster care system in your state. Um, it's a wonderful way to find your your person and for a child to find their forever home. But my story was, um, it was a private adoption, but th- those days, you know, um, it was different. So I had to go into foster care before I was placed into my parents' 
um, care and they had waited quite a few years for me because my mother couldn't have children naturally. They tried and sadly many miscarriages and, and later and here I am. And then I remember as soon as they got me, they applied straight away for my brother and they had to wait. Even back then, I was born in 68 and even back then they had to wait um, three more years until they were approved for my brother because only a few babies even back then came through. So my story, I was able to meet my biological mother when I was 26 years old and my mother got to meet my biological mother and we had a wonderful, respectful relationship. Um, she's no longer with us. Neither one of my mothers are with us anymore. My biological father is still with us and my adoptive dad, Marty, that everybody knows, he's still with us. Um, and my story is a good story. For many kids out there, it, they're not as lucky. So we're going to take this platform and this moment just, you know, we encourage everybody for any information you want to know. You can follow Extraordinary Families on um, Instagram. They're a wonderful organization based here in Los Angeles that works with fostering to adopt um, families, matching kids up with families. It's a wonderful, wonderful organization. What, Tom well, Campbell? Great. You are, well, Michelle, I'll just say you serve on the board of Extraordinary I am. Family. I'm Who on the yet? board. Um, and, that's why um, I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something like 400,000 kids in foster care in the States and around 30,000, maybe more, actually, uh, in L.A. County alone. So the, the, the need is, is, is really serious. And I think uh, COVID, one of the things with COVID has been that you know, it's, it's sad irony that, you know, the, the pet shelters are empty, but more and more kids are being forced and in, uh, taken into care, uh, you know, into care with the system and need need homes. So and absolutely. I promise you there will be no greater uh, return on love and uh, anything you could imagine. These kids, gratitude doesn't even describe these kids waiting for their forever family. Yes, I Tom. thought I knew your story and I realized I know nothing. And I have a couple of nosy questions you can tell me to butt out. But no. How old were you when you were adopted by your family? Four months. So right, here's, here's a really, uh, Fenton knows this story, but when you give a child up for adoption, how it works is the mother doesn't bond with the baby because if the family is there, if you're lucky enough to be there when the mother gives birth, and take the baby, the baby bonds with you immediately. So what they did when I was born was didn't know that she was giving me up for adoption and the nurse brought me in for a feeding and she had the first bonding feeding with me and then they had to take me away. So it was a really difficult moment for my mother but also so selfless because she knew that she could not give me the home that I deserved and needed. And it was the most selfless thing in the world to give a child up for adoption for a better life. And um, through it, I have... I have met my wonderful half sisters um, and they've been amazing and supportive. Um, uh, it was, I was four months old when um, my mom and dad got me and um, I don't know how old my brother was, but I was four months old and that's, and what's your other question? I now I've met your dad. You yeah. are an amazing mother. You are happily married. So it seems. Um, you know, you're a wonderful <laughs> friend. I can say that without any hesitation. Uh, and so you turned out great. And, and I love how much love you have for the whole process. Was there ever a time in your youth where you thought it sucked that you were adopted? 
Oh my God. Yeah. I think any adopted kid listening would agree. And also parents that have adopted children or are going to adopt children, just know that's normal. That anytime that I didn't get my way or I would get in a fight, and usually in the preteen teenage years before I got old enough to understand what I was saying was hurtful, there was a lot you of are you're my not real even my, mother. That's it. That's it. You're not my mm-hmm. real mother. You can't tell me what to do. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. So yeah, there were moments when I would see people, my friends look like their parents. I didn't look like my parents. So I'd look at them and be like, okay. So like there was a little bit of jealousy of that, but come to find out as I got older, like I had a lot of friends saying that they wanted to be adopted because to me, the, you know, adopted children were the, were the chosen ones. So we like to think we're extra special um, because of how long people waited for us or tried. And, and my mother always told me that we were, we were the chosen ones. So but for me, there's a, correlation, there's a correlation to that where you aren't my real mother, where when you are angry with them, you can say, well, they aren't my, you know, they are, you know, I'm, I'm different from them. I'm, I'm, you know, I, they aren't my parents. And, and you can sort of like separate yourself from them a little bit. You can, but you know what, James, it's so, I can't even tell you, Fenton could attest, I met my biological parents. They're not my parents. My right, mom right. and dad are Arlene and Marty, who I have no blood relation to. And they're my mom and dad. And it never, that never even entered my mind, even to the point like going through therapy now and doing some EMDR work. I've created a storyline um, on my mother's health path when really I'm not even related to her. So you get so intertwined, you know, they are my mom and dad, even knowing who my birth parents are. So, you know, it, it's funny. Yes. You know, I, I'm adopted, and I have the same cough as my mother. It's <laughs> one followed by two followed by. It's, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like it's, I you you pick up the things. You yeah. know, you become the part of the family. You you are yeah. is you might as well be you know a, a biological because we are so much, yeah, and you know my sister. People say that I look like my sister. People say that um, my sister looks like my mother and my sister's adopted. So it's, you know, you, you grow to become, it's like people looking like their dogs. It you know, is. Like you, you become, you end up looking like your family regardless. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing though. So we encourage it. I love that you say you're the chosen ones, but I also think in my experience, I have two kids, Elliot and uh, Nolan, 14 and six. Nolan's 14, Elliot's six. And, I cannot imagine, yes, I chose them, but I really, truly, deeply, profoundly feel they chose me. For better yes. or worse, they yes. chose me. Do you, can you, do you relate to that? Is that your, how does that yeah. work? It's, that's some juju, like, um, supernatural, you know, psychic stuff that I believe in all that stuff. And I believe that even my biological daughters that came through my body, I believe that they chose me to be, you know, born from. And I think that energies are matched weirdly, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. I think there's a reason why energies are matched. And I believe very strongly that I'm Marty and Arlene's daughter. I don't look like them, but I certainly act like them. Um, Just like James was saying, we become subculturally who we are. You know, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know that I was 23% Iberian. I didn't know all these things about me until I started doing DNA because all you get is a piece of paper saying your mother was 17 and she had a kidney infection and she was Irish and Hungarian. The end. That's all the information they gave me. So this, this journey has been very interesting as I uncover all these different stones. But I agree. They, they did choose you. 
Stick around with us, Michelle, because we're going to keep counting down top things that make us go wow. Of course, okay. you are the 10, 10, 10 across the board. But oh, please on. do get involved. May is National Foster Care Month. And um, one way to get involved is to support extraordinary families. It's a great organization that places a real emphasis on same-sex parents, which is such a great resource for foster kids, too. So um, let's move on. Number nine. Number nine. I know. I feel really bad because we just had this really. Tom is doing this this season one uh, uh, Vaseline on. <laughs> Give me and some. There you go. You looked a bit like Alexis Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> I feel bad because we just had this really wonderful frank conversation, and now I'm going to totally go superficial on you, and I want to talk a little bit about Halston on Netflix. The Ryan Murphy, did you all see it? Do you know what we're talking about? I did. Uh, I'm not done, so don't spoil it for me. He the last 10 well. minutes are amazing. Tom Cavill, <laughs> I think you know how it ends. Oh, I know how it ends, but I mean, <laughs> let me live my journey, guys. <laughs> I went back and forth on it because you all know how I feel about Ryan Murphy. And I... The problem with Halston, Ewan McGregor did an amazing, amazing job. He was job so good. Channeling him, channeling him. But the problem is, is that Halston was an unlikable prick. There's just, mm. you know, and watching hour after hour of this unlikable prick, it 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 sort of, it, it, it's, it, it takes its toll after a while. And I don't know that I was that I could get on board with it 110%. I thought the girl who did Liza, again, she wasn't really Liza, but she was so watchable and so funny and so adorable. I loved her. I thought she was great. I thought it was weird that there was no Andy Warhol. There was like a complete Andy Warhol erasure. There was no Andre Leontale. There was no Paloma Picasso. There was no Marissa Berenson. You know, just- you know why, you know why there's Marissa. Andy Warhol erasure? It's because Ryan Murphy is doing Andy Warhol. That's his next uh, one. Uh, I thought that maybe that everyone had sort of, that there was like a legal thing saying uh, that they couldn't do it. But um, but on the, you know, um, the Victor Hugo character was hysterical. I love all of that. That was all really good. I think it really hits its stride. Michelle, have you gotten to Studio 54 yet? No, but the, I'm, I'm, I have to be close. You have to be once it it really hits its stride is Studio Fifty Four. There's a couple montages there that are really fantastic and really fun. And so I, Tom, yes, please. No, I here's my overview. I can see the whole thing, but I won't spoil it for you. But you know, um, I feel like ultimately, sadly, it's the story of an addict, right? And also somebody who was ravaged by AIDS. I mean, and both of those stories for different reasons end very similarly, unfortunately. You know, like all it's like boom. It's like it's like genius, like life creation. So the first three episodes to me, I was mind blown. I watched them all in one sitting, and I I was like googling because I don't know his story so well. I know there, I know a lot about the world, or, or, or think I do, and so I was googling every friend and every location and every advertisement and every color carpet, red carpet offices and all that. And then the second half, it just. The second two are just a little bit more, maybe just because I just personalize it, but it was just sort of sad. Um, but well, there was an yeah. amazing, amazing ending 
kind the, of the, the, the stuff about his townhouse that it was his townhouse that was definitely you know he Brian Murphy got that correct the offices in Olympic Tower are right there it's spot on so much of it is spot on I felt that the the um, clash between um, the French and American fashion the, the, battle happened, of Versailles. the battle of Versailles I thought that they could have really pumped that up a little bit more I felt it fell a little flat some so I'm just I'm back and forth on it some of it I loved some of it I did not love and it was I, very, it, they must have had a big budget, but that's a that was a very expensive, you know, to re recreate these events. It was so many people. I thought they did a good job of sort of and bringing the clothes. Oh, the the caftans. Oh, I, those was, I just died. I ejaculated all over <laughs> those caftans. God. Oh, that explains and the ultra suede. I'm just you have to watch it, Fenton, because it's 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 a it's a lot. Yeah, and it's really know, good. We'll, we'll talk about it again. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about it many, 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 many times. And I've been reading all the reviews, you know, and Ruin Murphy, that's his uh his nickname. But you know, people are so bitter, as you know. So yes. I'm so sick. I don't even re reviews can suck my dick. Goodbye. I'm so over it at this point. I know, but it, you know, it's easy to read a review as opposed to watch for a whole hour. It's much easier to like read three reviews and gossip. And I, well, all I was going to say about reviews is that actually they've been really mixed and really yes, very mixed, I think very polarizing. Yeah, yes, it really engaged in an interesting way. It's not like there's a a universal opinion. All the it's it's sort of people are engaged by it, and I think that's it's really all relative. It's all it's art. It's it's what you make of it. You know, there's look at hello. Showgirls is my favorite movie. It's like, it's, it's what you love. And, and that all that stuff is going to speak to you in there. Yeah. Are there mistakes? Yeah. Everything has, everybody makes mistakes. Sorry. I had a Hannah Montana moment. And but, yeah. you call the name of the director. Cause the, it, this the name of the director is, is Dan Minahan. And I, I, we've got to move on, but I was going to tell a little story that Dan Minahan's first job was working at world of wonder. Oh yeah. He was, yeah, he was an editor. I'm sure if I'm sure Dan's listening, I'm sure he's like muttering, God damn it. I <laughs> but, well Dan, but Dan, I'm available for the next project. But he this was a passion project of his for a long, long time. So it's yes, really his passion that probably got this, you know, Brian Murphy's uh, connections, but his passion. Absolutely well, right. You know, it's got the Brian Murphy has the Ryan Murphy label, but Dan Minahan, you know, wanted to make this project from 1991 when we first met him no as an way. editor on our first series, Manhattan Cable. So oh, how to him for getting it done. Amazing. And also, actually, Christine Vachon is, uh, was produced yeah. on it, too. Killer, yeah. Films. So, Killer Films. All right. Party Monster. God bless number Christine. eight. So that's, that's Houston on Netflix. Uh, number eight. Number eight. I'm going to talk about Adopted and Fabulous. And I mean, okay. anyone who's Anyone who's adopted is fabulous, of course. But there are a number of people I didn't know were adopted. And since this is National Foster Care Month, thought I'd talk about a few so we can just chime in and comment nicely. Okay. Uh, three people, certainly in my life, apart from you, Michelle Visage, and you, James St. James. Actually, that makes five. Uh, Jay Manuel from oh. uh, Project Runway. No, Top Model, America's Next Top Model. Jay Manuel adopted. Yes. Didn't know that. Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. I yes, did know that. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Love him. Ryan Sahant from Million Dollar Listings. I think oh. I did know that about oh. Ryan. I think I've talked to Ryan about it before. That's right. Um, Leo Tolstoy. I, I have not talked about it with Leo Tolstoy, but I'll bring it up next time I'm with him. <laughs> he owes me a call. <laughs> 
This is going back a bit, of course. Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, okay. Uh, Babe Ruth. Wow. You're really going back. Nelson Mandela. What? No, really? Yeah. Maya Angelou. Okay. Oh, okay. I could just go on like this. It's so fast. Marilyn Monroe. I was like, I had no oh, idea. Oh, no. Yeah, sure. Would well, Yeah, well, Marilyn bounced around the system for years. She was in the foster care for yeah. most yeah, of but her. Didn't she, but didn't she end up back with her biological mother? According to Smash, okay. uh, uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 yes, she did. Her name was Bernadette Peters. Thank you. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Colin Kaepernick. Oh, is he? Oh, I love him so. Oh, God. These are extraordinary people. They're not just celebrities. They're kind of like total like culture changers. Yeah. Hello, Steve Jobs. Who? Steve Jobs. Apple. Okay. Yeah. Steve Jobs was adopted too? Um, Oh, and this one. I I love this one. Debbie Harry. Oh. God I mean, Nicole Richie. Oh, I did know that. Yeah. Snooky from Jersey Shore. Knew that. Okay. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Okay. Know that. Mm-hmm. Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, God bless Kristen Chenoweth. Yes, we did a whole, we did a, a, a going home with her. Um, Francis McDormand. Recent okay. Academy Award winner. Yeah. Again. Um. It's just, just, just go. Oh, John Lennon. Oh my God, Ice Tea. Wow. <laughs> it's like, it's I didn't know. Two peas in a pod. John Lennon and Ice Tea. So I went down this rabbit hole, and you know, of course, the the website I found it. I have to say, you know, every child who was fostered and or adopted has the capacity to impact generations, regardless of whether or not the world takes note. And I think that's that's so true. I mean, it's just an example of some of the people who've been adopted, but. Every adopted or fostered child is a star in their own right. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and yes, please ex- support extraordinaryfamilies.org forward slash donate. You can just give them all your money. All right. So on that <laughs> note, let's take a break. And Blake, I think you got a question, right? I do. You almost took all of my um, good questions during that last segment, <laughs> but you left one. <laughs> um, this country music diva who is married to a country superstar hunk is also adopted. Can you name her? I can. So Go it's name a, her. All right, wait till after the break. So basically, it's a it's a country pop duo who are married who are both adopted. Is that right? No, it's a country music diva who is married to a country music superstar. They're both famous in their own right. But oh. she is adopted. Who is she? Okay. Got it. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll take a break. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy on Sirius XM. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and our very super duper special guest, Michelle Visage. Uh, I'm Blake, and we had a question from you before the break. Yes, um, we're talking about adoptions because it is National Foster Care Month this month. Um, This famous country diva who is married to a country superstar 
He's a hunk. They're not a duo. They're both famous in their own right, but she has adopted. Who is she? Can I guess? Yes. I, I it could could be one of a few, but my first instinct was Faith Hill. I vote yes. Faith Hill. Ding ding ding. This Yay! Faith Hill too. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. <laughs> and who is she married to? Wait, Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw, of course. Yes. Who fills out a pair of jeans <laughs> very nicely? I am yeah. thinking about his thighs right now. A pair of jeans. Thank yeah. you. The hottest of them all. Take that, Blake Shelton. We're counting down the top ten things that made us go wow, and we have reached number seven. Number seven. Now, I'm so proud of myself because not only did I watch Halston this week, the entire thing, I have watched the two premiere episodes of Hacks, the HBO Max series starring Jean Smart. Of I'm so excited to hear about this because I love her so much. I love Jean Smart. I didn't even know she was in something. Tell us all about it. Yes. Not only is she in it, she's starring in it. It is a vehicle for her. It's a vehicle for Charlene? No, no, no. She's playing her. She's playing a different character. Okay, but she's no, basically playing. Oh, oh, oh! Blake's a big spring. Charlene. He is Charlene. Yeah, me too. Me um, too. Blake's life is a vehicle for Charlene. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's it's. I want to give it in really simplistic terms. And Fenton has his own take. We've talked a little offline about this, but it is um, it is the Joan Rivers story fictionalized. And the premise <laughs> is, is that a millennial writer who gets canceled online, you know, just. Like she became famous online, you know. She's she's she has worthy, she has value as a character, and she's lovely, but she's just bitter and young and entitled, and she gets canceled. And Jean Smart is Joan Rivers, who has who is has a dead husband, is selling cute things on QVC, who lives in a huge mansion, who like you know has been around forever, who has a room full of jokes. Sound familiar? Um, right. um, she's about to lose her. You know her 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 Saturday and Friday nights at the big casino in Vegas. So uh, the manager puts them together, and so this is unlikely pair. And it's it's a great exploration of you know different generations and women and show business and how hard it is. But you know different work ethics and everything. But it is delicious, sort of not making fun of Joan Rivers, but using that rich life and that you know Joan Rivers was a lot of things. And it's you know she was smart, she was brilliant, she was. You know, there's there's a moment in this huge, 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 huge mansion she has with limousines and and Rolls Royces and help. Where she also has in her like gargantuan chicken, the Gene Smart character in Vegas, um, like a soda machine that like you go to McDonald's like, <laughs> like she's never she what she wants, and she's always has a Diet Coke, and that's the thing she lives for. And at one point, she realizes that the Diet Coke machine. The gas is out, or whatever. The 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 you know the the yeah the busy. So in the middle of her talk, her talk with the girl, she's like, no, no. The, the maid goes, I-, I can fix it. She goes, I will. So she like like takes out the the, the canister, lugs another one, puts it in. It's this great character moment as she's having a dialogue where you're like, she's the fanciest, richest, bitchiest, snobbiest woman on earth, and yet when when she needs her soda fountain change, she does it herself. Oh, <laughs> and that the- hacks, and that's on HBO Max. HBO Max. Benson oh likes to say it's like, uh, what, what, what's your comparison, Benson? Well, you know, it's probably a bad comparison, but I feel it's like a cross between the Golden Girls and the Comeback. 
Um, oh okay. my goodness, Tom! You had me at bitter. Like I can't wait. Well, I do know that that Gene Smart has said that it, as much as it is Joan Rivers, that she based a lot of the characterization on Elaine Boozler as well. That a lot of wow, the, that's wow. I can see that too, and I'm I'm not trying to say they're just ripping off Joan Rivers. It's, right, it's right. richer than that, but it's definitely a, a starting point. And Elaine Boozler is another great example. I mean, that's a comedy legend. Yeah. You know, women, you know, Joan was able to much, 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 much hard work and, and humiliation throughout her career and rebuilding and rebuilding and rebranding. But, you know, and Elaine Boozler, I just heard, I saw someplace recently with the radio. She's still hilarious. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, Jean Smart is having this comeback right now where she was just in the mayor of Winningham. What was the mayor, mayor of Easttown? No, mayor, mayor of Easttown, which is perhaps the bleakest, darkest television drama on air at the moment. But Gene Smart pops on, and it's like, oh, oxygen, some light relief. But she's completely in keeping with the show. She's just, she is so amazing. It's almost like, how has she suddenly, I mean, obviously she's famous and established, et cetera, et cetera. But suddenly, it's like, how has this person not been in everything for the last 50 years? She's, yeah. It, it's this it, mega it, moment. Yeah. God bless Jean Smart. I mean, I'm so happy that she's having a moment, but you do wish that she had her EGOT, you know, that she was in everything on stage and, you know, in movies. She's this that is a great. This is the perfect role for her. When I think about it, it's a little Kathy Griffin, My Life in the D-List. Just a little bit too, you know, that oh, idea. I can't wait. I can't so, wait either. And, and now I'm going to let you, like, and lower your expectations because it's 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 a, a lovely subtle thing. But but do watch. I'm in for the long run. And you know, so many things come and go so quickly. Maybe this could run for a while. It's really it's really good. I'm I literally like forever. putting in my memory thing and that my reminders now. So there are so many genius moments, but there's one I want to share when the the sort of Gen X cancelled millennial Sarah Silverman type comedian yes, right, right. goes to Vegas to meet Gene Smart in a giant mansion, McMansion, and they're having this meeting. It's very tense. And finally, the comedian snaps, the young comedian snaps, and says, God damn it, you live in a giant cheesecake factory. You know, <laughs> it's just so apt because this mansion is like a sort of restoration hardware cheesecake. We all know the kind of architecture. And it's That's just hilarious. so, there's so many just perfect moments like that. I, I, it's something I could watch over and over and over. I love that. Quite exhausted. Number six. <laughs> Number six. I last night watched a, the perfect movie to watch on a on a late at night when you're all, you know you're exhausted and you just you, you the, the lights are dim and you you turn it on. The woman in the window. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Is that with um, Amy Adams? It's Amy Adams. Love it's it. a thriller on Netflix. It stars fantastic cast. It's Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Wyatt Russell. And Wyatt Russell is Kurt and Goldie Hawn's son, who looks exactly like his dad, and he's so handsome, and he's so wonderful. It's this story of this shut-in. She's an agoraphobic, and she hasn't left her apartment in years and years and years. And she just sits and watches these old 50s, 40s and 50s noir movies. And um, it's very rear window. She sits in her window all day and all night with her camera and binoculars and stares at the building across the street and gets to know who everybody is in, in the building across the street. And slowly but surely, she they all sort of come over to her house and she gets to meet them 
them all. And she meets this crazy family that has just moved in. And then she witnesses a murder or what she thinks is a murder. And, of course, nobody believes her because she's on all these pain pills and she's drinking and she's a maniac and she's a mess and she's always calling 911. So nobody believes that this murder has happened. And then they start to gaslight her, the people across the hallway that she that the people that she thinks she saw that she didn't really it's very complicated and very convoluted but it's really fantastic and everybody gets like a 10 minute scene where they really shine julianne moore is hysterical gary oldman is sinister and scary um uh uh jennifer jason lee is sort of creepy and weird so it's it's really fantastic i think i think you should watch it um, the woman in the window. I don't know what's going on. If you, for those of you who just thought that your tire burst in the back of your car, or, or thought that maybe your dog met untimely. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. Let me just say that I tried to do that quietly because Tom, you know what it sounds like normally. That was Michelle sneezing, and <laughs> as long as that was, it was one one hundredth of how loud it usually is. Can you really trying? Can you reenact? Can I get a, a reenactment? A full volume? The mice sneeze is so loud. Like uh, I know we're going off track, and I woman in the window movie. I'm gonna watch it tonight. Uh, I, I watched the you father. At the end of it, you and you and it's, when it's time for me to be done, you make that sound, and I'll shut up. It's just so funny because. It's such an obnoxious sneeze. And it goes back really quickly. When I was young, I used to hold my sneezes in because they were really obnoxious. And I remember yeah. going to the doctor, going to the pediatrician, and he said, stop doing that. You can burst blood vessels in your eyes. And yeah, so he, so as a kid, I stopped and I started letting them out. And when they come out, my whole body gets involved. So anybody that's ever heard on our mine and Rue's podcast or ever it, it gets it's somewhere you'll always see me sneezing it's obnoxious that was my quiet version of it michelle <laughs> sneeze is like seinfeld's elaine uh, elaine's dance but yes. it goes by quicker. it's like yes. you believe that it's coming out of this beautiful creature anyway oh go it's a horrible so i'm so sorry woman in the window gonna watch i'm gonna add on that watch the father if you haven't seen it I, okay. never mind that i want to talk about michelle sneeze i'll have what she's having <laughs> It's very that. Very that. <laughs> All right. Number five. It is National Foster Care Month. So it's a bit of a theme with us this week. Uh, we're very excited to have Michelle Visage with us and James St. James, both of whom adopted. And before the show, I talked to, James and I talked to Alec Mappa, who Yay. also adopted um, a kid. Um, and here, here's our conversation as number five the amazing Alec Mappa. Number five. All right. Now at number five, uh, very excited to introduce Alec Mappa. Hi, everybody. Um, known, uh, hi, hi, Alec. Alec. You look fabulous. <laughs> we got you just at lunchtime, I see. I know. You're, you're, I'm you're starving. I am, I am a mother. I'm a working actress. I am a woman on the go. So, <laughs> Well, you can stuff food in your face while I do a very brief uh, Okay, hit it. Uh, Summary of your illustrious right. career. You are America's favorite Gaijin. Don't True. take offense. Uh, I read that several places. Mm -hmm. um, you are Gabriel's personal shopper on Desperate Housewives, That's right. the TV series. Mm -hmm. Recurring role in Ugly Betty as Suzuki St. Pierre. That's right. The swishy talk show host. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I think personally very interesting is a stylist in the movie You Don't Mess With the Zohan. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if you know this, and we can cut this out, but the Pop-Tarts, New York City Beat, Randy and I, we had a band. Is in the, the soundtrack. Is in the soundtrack. It's in the soundtrack. Zohan. And was in the trailer, too. How about so? I love that you're pushing the, the Pop-Tarts. The Pop-Tarts. 40 years later, yeah, you're yeah. still pushing it as hard yeah. as you can. Now available <laughs> at World of Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Download on iTunes. Every That's time right. someone comes in to pitch a meeting, they get a copy of the CD oh, as a great. parting gift. I want one. <laughs> but, Alec, we have, we've known you. You've been known to World of Wonder for years because in 2008, of course, uh, Trans-American Love Story, yes. a reality dating show with Calpurnia Adams. Yes, you were the very first of its kind. That. And I, I think we should bring it back. I think that we were, I think so. we were um, years ahead of the curve. Do you remember how it was, like, difficult to get men who were, were going to be out – and dating trans women at the time. And this wasn't that yeah. long ago. This was like 2007, 2008. And now... Just 12, I, 13 years ago. Yeah. I think now would be a completely different story. We would get we would get the girl... I agree. Yeah, yeah. We'd get a, a billion hot guys and people would be clamoring to be on the program. So let's do it. Let's do it. Consider it done. We'll, we'll, we'll start pitching right away. <laughs> and of course, you were in Candidly Nicole and even Dancing with Dogs, which <laughs> as a title suggests Dancing something other than what it was. One of my favorite World of Wonder projects of all time. Talk Dan about something we should bring back. Dancing with Dogs. That was like me and, and Tom kind of bonded on that trip. And I, it was, we just kept on looking at each other going, this is real. This is a real thing. And I loved interviewing all the ladies. They were the biggest bunch of lovable weirdos ever um, who choreographed numbers with their dogs. And this is an actual competition. And I'd never been to Rhode Island before. Providence, Rhode Island. It was lovely. I know. It was, it was, it was a classic. It was a it classic. Was a classic. It, it will but, live forever. But as you know, um, this month, May, is uh, National Foster Care Month. Mm. And something else, something perhaps that maybe people don't know about you is that you are an adoptive, an adoptive parent. Is that the right phrase? Oh, you yeah. have adopted. Yes. That, yes. And so I yes. wanted you to come on the show because we're talking about adoption this month. Uh, and talk about your experience because Terrific. it's a wonderful, amazing thing. Yeah, well, um, you know, luckily, uh, my husband and I had the good fortune of living in Los Angeles where they made it really easy for us. In L.A. County, I mean, L.A. County has the largest number of foster kids in America in it. And it's it's actually gone up since COVID pandemic. People were really hard hit economically. There's 400,000 kids in the foster care system at any one given time. 100,000 of those kids will not be reunited with their parents. So they are up for adoption. Um, the most desirable placement is a baby girl. Everybody wants a baby girl. Nobody wants them over the age of three. Nobody wants a boy. And if they're an African-American boy, it becomes harder to get adopted. The statistics were a Caucasian baby girl is seven times more likely to be placed than an, a black boy over the age of three. And my, my husband and I heard that. I was like, listen, I got nothing against little white girls. I've been one my entire life. But if there's going to be a lady in the house, it's going to be me. So um, when we heard that, uh, we, we signed up for uh, foster adoption training, which is six weeks 
here in um, the Los Angeles. You have to learn about the kids in the system, what they've been through, what to expect. They want you to be as specific as possible. What kind of kid are you willing to take on? So we put down, um, like if you're a special needs parent, they want to know that. If you're interested in special needs kids, um, LGBTQ people are five times more likely to adopt older kids and kids with special needs, which is amazing. Nice. And, and which makes it heinous yeah. that there are adoption agencies uh, uh, on religious, based on religious uh, beliefs that will turn away a qualified uh, queer couple. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's and heartbreaking. of course, extraordinary families who you work with yes. are a very different kind of adoption agency. They're very, they've been awarded for same-sex uh, adoption parents. And in fact, my two kids uh, came through extraordinary families. Yeah. So just, I mean, they're amazing, right? How um, old are your kids now? Nolan is 14. Holy crap. And Elliot is six. Yeah. And Zion, how old is Zion? He's 16 years old. He's 16. Wow. I'm the mother of a teenager. I love seeing the pictures because he dwarfs the both of you. Oh, right my God. Yeah. No, he towers over me. He's my big boy. But he's still my sweetie pie. Like, he'll let me do daddy stuff still. Like, if we watch television, he'll let me scratch his back. But that's it. We can't, we can't get too sticky around here. He's too grown up for that mushy stuff. I read something, Alec, where one day he gave you a Father's Day card where he wrote, thanks for saving me. I, I I didn't I didn't even, I didn't even think he thought of it that way because I don't think I think that if you set yourself up as a savior figure to your kid it's kind of that's not great <laughs> right no, right exactly because you pulled him aside and you said no no and this is this is what made me cry this morning um, as I was reading this you know you you told him I didn't save him he saved me that's and right. I just feel that way oh. with my kids. <laughs> yes, let's cry. Uh, <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, uh, all the things that I've gained as a parent out at dwarf everything that he's given us. Um, we watched Woman in the Window last night. On uh, I saw that last night too. Yeah, and there's a there's a scene where uh, Julianne Moore says to Amy Adams, you know, when you think you have kids, because she's talking about he's my guy. You know, he's talking about her son. You think you have kids, it's like, oh, they're mine. He belongs to me. But the truth is, when you have kids, they belong. You belong to them. I, I belong to him. <laughs> I, I live, breathe, parent. I mean, it's kind of like, that's, don't you feel that way? I totally do. And the, the other weird thing is, and it's sort of related, you know, they, sometimes people say to you, oh, you know, how did you choose your kids? And I say, no, 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 you don't understand. I did not choose them. They chose me. I don't know how. I don't even know why. I I but could, they did. Yeah. I, you can't explain that to anybody. How does that, it's a weird, spooky reverse thing. Right? They did. They chose you. They chose us. And um, we were, I guess, he, was, he came to live with us when he was five years old in um, January of 2010. Good Lord. And um, by that week, it felt like, by the week was over, it felt like we'd always had a kid. Like, oh, we have a kid now. This is our kid. And it felt like we had been parents for a really long time. Like, we snapped into place right away. I mean, we weren't perfect parents. We're still not. We're adequate parents. <laughs> we're highly functioning um, parents doing the best we can. And I think that's, and you make it up as you go along. That's the other thing. 
you there's you could read as many books as you want and map it out but a kid is like its own thing it'll it's not going to go where you want it to go it's not going to yeah they they're their own people and you just have to kind of follow them and just kind of keep them in place and safe and contained until it's time for them to go alec do you know that Jane? Oh yeah, no. I would say I was adopted. My sister and I were both adopted. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Uh, this was back in the '60s. With my, I, it was always known that I was adopted. Um, there was never a time that I don't remember. Like I didn't discover it one time. It was huh. always, it was always just sort of. But it, it never um, was a thing, you know. I mean, it, it was there was. Uh, I have a stepsister, a half sister, a brother. And my sister and I, and we all have different biological parents. You know, there's no one person who can say I'm real and you aren't, you know, everyone, there's a difference. There's a stepmother and a mother and a half month, you know, all of that. So it, um, it was never really an issue when I was growing up and, um, I've never tried to find my birth parents. It's never, I've never even thought to. Yeah. Um, I, I think at some point I would like to just for health reasons and to see about all that, but I've never had any interest in, uh, you know, discovering who my birth parents That's were. That's so interesting to me. Um, cause I've talked to other friends who were adopted who actually did meet up with their birth parents. And, um, yeah. I had a friend in Vancouver who met his birth mother and he felt after the meeting was over, that's not my mom. My mom is my mom. That's yeah. a woman who he didn't feel a bond with her. He didn't feel he didn't feel any emotional attachment. It was it was interesting. He said it wasn't what I expected. Well, I've always sort of feel I, I feel like, you know, um, probably in the deep south in 1966, like it's probably for the best that I ended up where I did, because I can't imagine uh it was probably, you know, a 16 year old girl. It was probably, you know, and you know, something like that. And I'm just in so much of a better place with the family that I'm at that I would never think I'll maybe my life would have been better if I ah. wasn't adopted, you know, you know, you the, know? the, the I mean, reverse I, could be true. You could have been like some billionaire's bastard child that was dropped well, off. And I sometimes thought that I was like the Duke and Duchess of Windsor's love <laughs> child. Or, <laughs> or like, or I was you know, like the Lindbergh baby, like, yeah. you know. Or, Get or, rid of it. You have like. Hide it someplace in the royalty. deep south, far away from Buckingham <laughs> yeah, Palace. Yeah. Uh, the, the, but you do sort of like sometimes when you're little, you do think like, you know, oh, am I the, you know, the secret, you know, heir to the throne of Moldavia? Or I would have run like with that. that. But... The Queen of England is my mother. <laughs> but nobody knows. Well, interestingly, in the uh, in the new Cruella movie, um, adoption plays a major part of the plot oh, and, no and very much is along the lines of of someone who's adopted, who's actually born to greatness. And, have you seen and, it? Um, I can't wait. Did you, you saw it? I have seen it. Of course, I'm not allowed to speak about it, or else I get sort of uh, all right. A thumbs, ton of bricks will thumbs fall up. On me or, thumbs get... up. You can. You don't have to say anything. Actually, yes. Thumbs okay. up. I would okay. definitely say thumbs I up. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. It looks wonderful. Uh, it's just you know, Devil Wears Prada meets um, you know. It's it's a, you know we need updates on these things every now and then, and this feels like satisfying that. Oh piece. good. Oh um, good. I'm so happy. Yeah. That's how gay I am. I'm excited getting... about the new Cruella film. <laughs> Right. You know, Extraordinary Families have been really good about uh, uh, 
supporting same-sex families. I think yes. that's been, you know, when I started looking around to adopt, it was tough. And in fact, I think the first agency was was indeed the first one I interacted with was a religious-based one. And it wasn't wow. a great experience. No. You know? Extraordinary um, Families was great from beginning to end. And not only are they good to the parents, they're really great with the kids. This, it's nothing felt rushed. It was really about when we heard about kids and their situations. These kids were were really, uh, for lack of a better word, vetted by them. And they were very transparent about what the kid has been through. Um, you know, our kid was five and he'd been in the system since he was three and a half. And he'd been moved from home to home to home, right? And in the papers, it said he was very emotionally volatile. And we're like, why wouldn't he be? <laughs> He's five years old. <laughs> He's being shipped around all over the place. And when we got him and he came to live at our house, all of his emotions made perfect sense to me and my husband. We were like, you're lost. You don't know who we are. Well, I'm Alec. This is Jamie. Uh, if you want to, we can be your papa and your daddy. <laughs> and uh, this is where all the food is. And then I had to set up a schedule for him to make him feel safe. You know, we're going to the park. We're going to this. Because usually when we first came to live with us, he would cry every time we left someplace. And it's like, why is he crying? Or he'd, he'd, uh, he'd hide whenever somebody rang the doorbell. And so the, uh, the social worker was super helpful. He said, uh, one, he's crying because he thinks he's going back. So are you telling him where you're going? And we're like, no. And she goes, okay, dum-dums. So I briefed him every morning like he was the president. I was like, we're going to, the, we're going to have breakfast. Then we're going to the park at 9. We're going to come back here at 1030 and watch Thomas the Tank engine right and and that helped things get better and then um oh and i said whenever the doorbell rings that means we're having a party people are coming over and you have a very important job you're the host <laughs> you have to greet people and welcome them into the home so the doorbell rang and we were expecting him to run because he would always run under the bed or you know and he opened the door and our friends were standing there and the, he said tickets please <laughs> and they were like, what? I said, just give him a ticket. Just pretend to give him a ticket. And then he he um, he said, welcome, welcome. Let me show you around. <laughs> so it's things oh, like Zion that. sounds so amazing. There's a great line, Insider House Rules. I think it's one of the opening lines. And it says that orphans love routines and orphans love schedules. Yeah. And it's because they've never had that in their life. They, they love cliches. They love things that they can rely on over wow. and over and over again. But I think a certain amount of routine and structure makes all of us feel safe. Do you know what I mean? But even more oh, so yeah. when you're a little kid and you have to go through the disorienting thing. I mean, they... There's a lot of discrimination against the kids in foster care. They think they're like damaged or something. Or somebody said, uh, uh, "I don't know if I could adopt a kid with so many issues." I said, "Do you know anybody who has absolutely no issues at all?" Because I don't. <laughs> I don't know anybody with issues without issues. So uh, um, he had stuff, but it was kind of like stuff that my husband and I were were as queer people were outsiders. As queer people, we're drama queens. As queer people, um, we were the ones who took the time to really look at his case and go, this is what he's been through. So everything he's expressing right now is right on. You know, um, I, something he said uh, that I read about, he, he was, uh, he's at school and a classmate asked him um, why he has two dads. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, 
Because we're French. Yeah. Which is just so brilliant, right? Yeah. yeah. That was and my favorite. husband actually is French. Yeah, because he, uh, as we told him when he came to live with us, you know, we're all different, but we love each other, and that's why we're a family. I'm Filipino. Papa is Cajun, which means he's from Louisiana, so he's kind of French, and you're black. We look like the last two minutes from It's a Small World. Everything's great. So <laughs> when that kid asked him, why do you have two dads? It's because we're French. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite well thank you so much for being here and joining us thank you um, you know um, it, I, it since this is national foster care month we're sort of urging everybody to get involved the the white house issued a, a proclamation yes. asking people to reach out and one way people can is they can they can donate or volunteer um and we're Alec and, and me, we're both parents via Extraordinary Families, which is extraordinaryfamilies.org um, slash donate. Yeah, go right. there, give all your money because um, it's a they're a really great organization. They're, they're wonderful. And actually, just what impact has COVID had? You, you mentioned that at the beginning. Oh, well, um, my kid is 16. And the pandemic lined up exactly in that age where he would have been in his room the entire time anyway. So it's kind of been great. I see him at breakfast (laughs) and I see him at dinner and then we play poker every Friday. We have a standing date. He plays poker with me and his other dad. And uh, we have prizes, which are all junk food. And it's stuff I won't eat. So he usually ends up getting all of it anyway. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? What impact has it had on me? Well, I, also on fa- on kids in foster care, right? I mean, it's it's been it hasn't been that good for kids in foster care. It has care. not been it has not been good on kids in foster care. In fact, the economic impact of this has driven a lot more kids into the system. I just want people to know mm. that the kids are people. They're not scary. They're people who've been through stuff that was wasn't their fault. And uh, if you if you want to consider foster care, educate yourself and and talk to the people at Extraordinary Families because they know all about it. Um, This is what lined up for us and this is what worked and and this is the family we have and we're super, super happy. Marvelous. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Nice to see you, honey. Bye-bye. Thank you, Alec. That was fantastic. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Blake, I think you have a question for us. I do. In honor of uh, National Foster Care Month, what two presidents were adopted? Mm-hmm. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to The Wow Report here on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. I'm Fenton. We're here with James St. James, Tom Campbell, and our special guest, Michelle Visage. Hi. Oh, and of course, Blake, who had a question for us. I did. This month is National Foster Care Month. Um, what two U.S. presidents were actually adopted? I'm going to say Herbert Hoover and Lyndon Johnson, of course. Of course, naturally. <laughs> I think um, President President uh, McGovern and President Humphrey. Ah. Are those real presidents? No, they were vice presidents. <laughs> they, were, they, they, didn't, they were Democrats and never became president. I don't know. It's a tough one. Michelle? Oh, my God. I have no idea. Would Bill Clinton maybe have been one? Who? One of them was Gerald Ford. 
Gerald Ford was one. Okay. Okay. Grover Cleveland. That's it. Oh, President Clinton. I was just going to say Clinton. Yes. Clinton was adopted? No. Okay. Blake, give it to us. Um, It was Bill Clinton and Gerald Ford. Oh, there you go. Bill Clinton was both, adopted? They were both ab- adopted by their stepfathers. Okay. Oh, oh that's yeah. That's not a real adoption. That's Brady Bunch. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I that's a like Brady Bunch adoption. This moment to say that if you want to support extra, what is 07080, Michelle? That's my South Plainfield, New Jersey zip code where I grew up. My daughter gave it to me. Uh, I thought those were the last five digits of your social security that you were flashing for us. <laughs> this is my South Plainfield, New Jersey pillow. Well, I was just going to say the one way you can support adoption and foster care is by buying a ticket to the magic show that Extraordinary Families is putting on. It's a virtual magic show, so anyone from anywhere can buy a ticket. Um, It features Brandon Scott from the Magic Castle. It's on June the 6th, and you can buy a whole ticket for the family for 95 bucks, or if you want to sponsor a foster youth to attend as well, it's 125 bucks. Box. Bucks. (laughs) Bucks <laughs> and, and you get, and this is why I just messed it up, a magic box. So you buy a ticket for 125 bucks and you get a magic box. I think Michelle already has a magic box. That's what I heard. Thank you. Thank this you is very a much. Family show. Uh, extraordinaryfamilies.org/slash magic to get your ticket. Family Please show where? What kind of families do you think are listening? Do you have a family? chosen family. Can I get 20? Like, yes, chosen family. We're counting down top 10 things that made us go wow. We've reached number four. That's me. Thank you, Michelle. Number four. Number four. I want to talk about a show that I fell into. I didn't even intend on watching it. I opened Netflix and I was like, what's this? She's cute. I clicked on it. It's called Ginny and Georgia. And I loved it. Now, This could be one of those mixed reviews type of thing. But Lola, my 19-year-old daughter, said, um, Mom, that's the show on on TikTok that all the kids make fun of because it's like every – let me tell you, every single thing that could happen, and not Murphy's Law, I mean everything from depression, suicidal tendencies, self-harm, being gay, um, virginity – the, the mother having two different kids from two different dads and running from the law, maybe everything that could happen is thrown into this series. That's kind of what I love about it though, because a lot of like, for example, one of the characters is a lesbian, but they're not making a big deal about it. She just is gay. No big deal. So I kind of like that. Usually with a gay character, it's like, Oh, they're the gay character. And like, they're making a big deal out of it. I like that. It's a girl. And she just happens to be gay. And everybody's like, no, you know, carry on. Business as usual. Um, the actors are very, very good. Who are they? Who, who, star, who are the stars? You're going to ask is, me that. I could ask. Is this, <laughs> is, this the show, is this the show that Taylor Swift attacked because they made a joke about her? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So what happened was they said, you know, you know, they made fun of the whole 
ex-boyfriend. You have more boy, ex-boyfriends than Taylor Swift. Yeah, but like you're going to attack that? Come on. I almost wonder if Taylor Swift owns a piece of the show and attacks it just to draw millions of viewers and attention for it. Well, the girl that plays Georgia, who's the mother, um, she is absolutely wonderful. She's from L.A., but she has the best believable Southern accent because usually it's like, you know, when people yeah, try yeah. to do that would be like me. She's so good at it. Her name's Brianne Howie. And Ginny, the daughter, is played by Antonia Gentry, who is, uh, you know, struggling with being mixed race. You know, there's a whole bunch. Every single topic that ha- that you can think of being covered is in it, which is why I kind of dig it. But it's a series. It's a series. But apparently okay. the kid, the kids on TikTok are making fun of it. What? But I- what? Um... What's the feeling you have after you watch one? Are you laughing out loud? Is it cringy TV? What, what is the what's the vibe? Is, what's it, the is it a drama? Is it up? Is it sad? No, it's it's a teen angst drama, but it's not as dark as Thirteen Reasons Why. But okay. there are there are topics that are covered. The, like I said, the mother, um, the second husband died magically, and she shows up in this new town to start her life all over. And there's a um, you know, we find out that there's a, you know, what, what, not a super, an agent, you know, an invest, what do you call it? Like a person that's hired an investigative reporter. What are they called? Yes. Like a private dick is hired to <laughs> find her. And then she's family members are popping up. And she said that weren't there. There's definitely a mystery with Georgia and Jenny's the mixed race daughter who has to deal with being in Whitesville not white enough and not black enough. Do you know what I mean? That storyline, which I think is very real. You know what they say when the wife, dis- when the husband disappears? Always, oh, it's always the wife. It's always the wife, Michelle. That's what they say in arsenic and old lace. Uh-huh. It's just, <laughs> I, I just think why I, I'm stupid because I thought it was a comedy because the names are so funny and it sounds like a right. British comedy. But no. Georgia like, is the name of it, right? Penny and Georgia. I think it's adorable, but it's there's definitely. I think it's good because there are so many things covered. And a lot of those things, my daughters have been through the self, the self-harming, the depression, you know, there's things that are actual real topics that they discuss. And there's a disclaimer at the end with helpful, you know, wording that could drive, you know, kids to maybe talking about it and talking to somebody, everything that is in the teenage, everything. I mean, there's nothing that's missed. It's all in there. And I kind of appreciate that. It could that. be a CW show, but it's a little it's a little more adult for than a CW show. So it covers a little more ground. It's a little more risque, but it's definitely a CW. And you know, I'll watch anything. I, that's I love organic. a good CW. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you you will love it. And I expect you to text me after you start watching. It. <laughs> I will do it and this weekend. But also, James, it's really well acted. A lot of them let you know are kind of hokey. I love you, Vampire Diaries, but some of the acting is a little hokey. <laughs> But I this love one, that you, it, you you managed to get arsenic and old lace and vampire diaries. <laughs> and I live for all of it. But <laughs> but this one is really well acted. It's um y'all watch Shit's Creek, yeah. every one of you. Oh, right? yeah. You know the wife of um Ro- Roland Shit. His wife is one of, is one of the cast okay. members on here too. She's wonderful. It's just I kept looking at her face going, Where do I know her? Oh, and if you watch Friday Night Lights, anybody here watch Friday Night Lights? Wow, I got real butch for a minute real quick. Anyway, one of the one, one of the actors from there is on there. I just think it's really well acted. I'm supporting it. The kids on TikTok could laugh at me, but if any time we could find a place to talk about issues that are really affecting teenage kids 
and bringing light to it, I'm on board. Number three, James. Number three. Very quickly, um, I watched over the weekend Pride on Hulu and FX, uh, the six-part documentary about the um, the uh, the burgeoning movement of gay pride um, told from six different directors uh, in, in six different styles. The first three were dropped uh, last weekend and it's the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. And it is in exhaustive detail. It is um, the 50s is called um, uh, There Were Parties or something like that. And it was about how uh, uh, sort of like the P.S. Burned This Letter that we've talked about on the right. show where there's all the home movies of the drag queens and everything and the home movies of, of the gays who were partying, but they weren't really out in the open yet. And um, there's the, about the opening or the beginnings of the Madison Society, all of that. The 60s is um, a lot of bleeding up to Stonewall, a lot of the Black Cat riots, a lot of the other things that were leading up to it. There's a great segment with um, an interview with Jack Dorshaw, who was Mother Flawless Sabrina, and she oh, talked yeah. about, uh, you know, Crystal LaBeja and, the, and the, the Queen, all of that. And, and so they have actual interviews with a lot of those people who, before they died, you know, Flawless Sabrina, um, Junior LaBeja, who I sent you the picture of over the weekend, Fenton, mm-hmm. Um, uh, that you didn't respond to, but that's another. <laughs> um, uh, and then in the it's the build up to to Stonewall, and then in the seventies, there's a lot of post Stonewall, a lot of the activism that is now in the forefront about so much about how the lesbian um, community was so integral in what happened after Stonewall in the, in the pride parades. Um, uh, and then Harvey Milk, of course. And I'm waiting and waiting for the next for the next part to drop because I know in the 80s they interview Fenton Bailey and Michael Musto. Yes, Yay! they talk about Nelson Nelson Sullivan, who you know videotaped in East Village in the 80s. Rue and James and Michael and, and just Nelson was everywhere with that video camera and yeah. created this amazing archive, which. I'm so excited that they've tapped into for that episode. Um, I'm a little nervous, you know, about what I might Aww. say, because, you know, I can <laughs> put you know, my foot in my mouth. In Every single person in it, it's all academics and, and uh, historians and everything like that. And everybody comes across is so smart and so intelligent. And I have no doubt that you you two are going to really and just. That's you I applaud Fenton. Or appearing without a shirt and just a leather harness on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, so that's Pride. Um, you can watch the first three episodes. I think the next three episodes will be this week on Hulu and FX. And it gets a thumbs up from you, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it is exhaustive. And it is every minute of the 1950s. It is every second of the 1960s. You walk away really feeling like you you understand the, the entire uh, gay pride movement. Amazing. Number two. Number two. Ariana Grande, who these when we started the Wild Report, these guys made fun of, but is one of my favorite. <laughs> I love her voice. And by the way, I'm over that, guys. Oh, I don't yeah. like That was one of my big blow-ups with you two. Anyway. But that's true. <laughs> the Wild Report ended almost the moment it began because we were making fun of Ariana Grande. We have been holding on to this for about five years now. I love her. She I have apologized so she much. She married, she's 27, which makes me feel, I don't know, old, like, like I've been around or something. And she married Dalton Gomez, who is, I think, a very successful 
kind of real estate. Looking yeah. kind of real estate agent. Yeah. And yeah. she met him looking for a house. They went on like a date right before lockdown and they fell in love. And, and they're saying because they were able to do it, you know, she's famous and she's famous for falling in love. She's like, you know, but she, she got to do it out of the spotlight. They were able to fall in love in private and they got married in a little ceremony over the weekend. And it's just, I don't know. We live in a world where Ariana Grande is married and JLo is not. I, I don't know what that means, but. Well, she's been oh. married enough. I don't know. Ariana. Not to throw a little water on the, not to throw a little, be a little, but there were, I've seen a number of pictures online that have a side by side of Dalton and Pete Davison, and they are split Twins. from the same gene pool. They are the same well, person. From the, maybe from the waist up, but from the waist down. Oh. Are you, well, I, we know that Pete is. Uh, gifted. Uh, yes. I was 27 when I got married, so I think it's a wonderful age. And I, you know, before we know it, she'll be a mother. Watch. I would, no, I'm very happy for her. I think this is yeah. absolutely wonderful. I wish her well. I wish them both very well. And I hope, and supposedly other boyfriends were like, I think he sounds like he might be loaded and that he dotes oh, on Oh, he her. is. And He's she worth 20 that. million. I oh, think good. somebody who like, doesn't have to use her private jet. You know what I mean? Oh, go. I love that. I love that he's independent in his own right. You know what I mean? Right? It's like it's like they can choose which whose private jet they take. Are you going to take yeah. mine? Oh no, darling, I'll take this thing mine. Or maybe I'm they so tired jets. of these men that are always after me for my private jet and my jewels. <laughs> My money, yeah. I hope you have their own. Yes, same, same, James. All right, yes. Let's take one more break. I'm very excited because we have an amazing number one, a revealing, (laughs) profound number one to explore and discuss and dive into. Really, just spread it around (laughs) on the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report: Things That Make Us Go Wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. I'm so excited. Michelle Visage is our special guest. And you are the keeper of the secret. Uh, you're sitting on the secret, I guess, of number one this week. What is it, Michelle? Number one. My first colonoscopy. Congratulations. I'm part of the club now, boys. Well, here's here's how it went down. Um, I had one of those at home, you know, cause we're traveling all over. We've been all over the, the world and I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to say that and be able to do it. And it, trust me, it doesn't go unappreciated um, in the midst of a global pandemic that we were able to do everything safely and work. So we were in New Zealand in quarantine. And before I left, I said to my doctor, I want to do one of those at home tests. One of those um, Cologuard, you know, you poop in a box and send it in because I'm 52. And at that time, I think I was 51, whatever it was. And he's like, I don't want you to do it. And he's, I said, why not? He said, because one out of six is a false positive. And if you get a false positive, you're going to have to go anyway. And I was like, well, eventually I'm going to go anyway. I'm, out, I'm of the age because in our country, they say 50 years old, which I think now should be earlier. Anyway, I did it. Uh, it came back and he called me and said, well, I told you it's positive. And I was like, OK. So that was before we left for New Zealand to film RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. So I had, of course, being me, who I am, was panicking the whole time. Yeah, sure. You know, that's all I'm thinking about. Um so anyway, long story short, I do a, a thing with the doctor, like a Zoom, and he's like, "Every I've never found any cancer thing coming from that, but there, it's usually because of something. And I said, okay. So uh, I find out, you know, I'm gearing up, I'm home, we filmed, 
I've got a week uh, before, you know, I've, I've got a week before the colonoscopy and, and then I get a call from VH1 and they're like, hey, um, we would like you to go to the MTV Movie and TV Awards. And I was like, great, because I knew that we were nominated. Wonderful. And I said, when is it? And they they said, well, it's, you know, this date. And I said, oh, okay, I'll be there. Fully realizing it was the prep day, the day before my colonoscopy. So if anybody knows what you're doing the day before your colonoscopy. You're normally you're- sitting on a throne. Correct. So I called the doctor and I was like, I don't want to cancel this because I've had the appointment forever and I'm too neurotic. I said, what can I do? And he said, well, you're on a clear diet all day anyway, right? So that means vegetable broth, apple juice, whatever, nothing with color. Even if you're going to do jello, no reds because that could look like something bad, right? So I'm on a liquid diet all day and usually you'd be taking care of stuff all day. Well, I didn't start until I got home after 9 p.m. So you mix a whole bottle of Miralax and you start with milk of magnesia. And I was up, you have to drink a gallon as fast as you can. And I love coconut water. At this point, I never want to see coconut water again. <laughs> and then normally you wouldn't be going all through the night. I don't need to get into detail to tell you. But I got there and I said, you know, I, I said to him, I still might have, I might have stuff. Cause he made me the last appointment <laughs> of the day. And there was a girl there literally with a hose and she's like, don't worry, that's my job. And I was like, what? <laughs> she's literally like, like a colonic. I'll just suck it out. He was like, okay. So he comes in. I told him I was nervous. What happened? He goes, let me just tell you something right now. He goes, this could sound like the, like the grossest job of all my job. He said, the reason I do it is because this job saves lives. He said, we find stuff before it has a chance to turn into anything. And I was, I just felt so his name is Dr. Zuri Morell. He was amazing. I felt so comfortable. And it's so funny because at one point I was, they rolled me in disco music playing. They rolled me in to like, to be real, you know, and I, I'm there. And, and the girl, the nurse says, can you turn your, can you turn, I'm on my side. She's like, can you turn your hips? And I was like, how do I turn my hips when you just, and the other nurse goes, back it up. And I went, oh, so I backed it up. <laughs> and then I woke up and he found three polyps. So he said to me, um, they, they are not, he goes, they look fine. He goes, but because of them, it's no longer every five years for you. It'll be every three years. And I was like, he goes, but this is it. We found them. They will never turn into anything because we found them. So anybody that's listening, don't put it off. Obviously, if it runs in your family, it's a whole different game. You're going to go earlier. But don't put it off. Save lives. Do what I did. It was nothing. The worst part was drinking the liquid. The um, worst part is drinking the liquid and just, yeah. you know, having to be near the loo for that amount of time. But that's yeah. about it. And there's some really good parts. If I could just add a little bit of color, because I think when you wake up, you're in the best mood you'll probably ever be in your entire life. That's because you had the propofol when they put you under. Ooh, Not to advertise drugs or anything, but no. really. Oh, my yeah. God. And then you do the most satisfying fart you will ever do in your lifetime as well. Because you're just, you're like inflated like a balloon. And well, you've got to release that cup. And they the whole ward is just, just full of people going, you know, just ex- like sneezing, like Michelle sneezing. It's just it was reverberating with these noises. The thing is, they didn't warn me that he said the nurse, Dane, his name was, he goes, I just want to tell you that they might need some air if they have to get anything. I was like, fine. I woke up and I looked like I, I was it's my seventh month 
pregnancy. Like mm-hmm. nobody told me. And then I thought I hadn't eaten. Let me take a bite of a banana. And it was like my stomach acid was filled with piranhas and they're like attacking the banana. So my, uh, th- that was not a fun part either. The get the gas in your stomach afterwards. But I got my polyps out. Polyps about? Did they find my watch that I've been missing? Yes, they did. I was wondering okay. where it went. I, I respect you. It's just a Timex, but it has a lot of sentimental value for me. <laughs> it, it, it takes a licking. It keeps on ticking. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. Thank You're you, welcome, Michelle, please. for joining us and bringing us the joys of your colonoscopy and sharing your adoption <laughs> experience. I feel we've learned yes. so much more about you. We really you took did. a deep dive into Michelle. Yeah. And I congratulations on uh, your MTV Awards as well. Uh, MTV movie. Congratulations. Yeah. That Season was 13, one three. You, Tom, too. Yeah. Yes. Best cast, best host, best competition show. Congratulations. Yay. And we have congratulations so to World of Wonder 2 for the Canada one as well. Yes. Five, yes. Five uh, CSA Canada Screen Awards. Five. Fabulous. Incredible. Wonderful. All in one night. Hey, um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, James. And thank you, Blake. And, and really also thank you to Alec Mapa. And to Extraordinary Families, who do such great work, because this is National Foster Care Month. And I just want to read a little thing that really, I'm getting sentimental or something, but I read, I, the White House issued a statement at the beginning of this month, and they said, we have an expression in the Biden family, if you have to ask for help, it's too late. And they've passed a law to help uh, foster kids in care as part of a sort of pandemic overall stuff to help them participate in job training programs, pay bills. And they say, you know, I call upon all Americans to observe this month by reaching out to the children and youth in foster care and their families. And you can do that. You can you can go to extraordinaryfamilies.com, for example, where I adopted my kids from and Michelle Visage is on the board. Extraordinaryfamilies.org, sorry, extraordinaryfamilies.org forward slash donate. And you can get involved by donating or volunteering or anything. Um, but please do do something if you can. And thanks for tuning into the Wow Report. Um, Yay! Same time, same place next week. Yes. Until then, go out and, and do something that makes the world go wow. 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 <laughs> bye.